Hi, and welcome to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty, and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. Today's chat is with Matt Bentley at Hotel Lindrum. I'd planned to speak to Matt in March, then we went into lockdown. Over the isolation period, photos of the incredible food he was making at home would pop up up on Instagram, and his love for cooking and exploring new food ideas just jumps out of the shots. I knew this already from all the great conversations I've had with chefs, but it really came home to me seeing photos like Matt's, that being a chef isn't just a job to so many chefs, it's their passion, their life. Matt has travelled extensively and worked in several countries around the world, but I loved that he said he thinks this is the best job so far at Hotel Lindrum in Melbourne. It's the 59 room. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm just going to push. It's recording you. Okay. <laughs> Forget that's there. Right. Um, and do you prefer Matt or Matthew or what? If you say Matt, that's fine. Matt? Yeah. 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 Um, so I was just saying to um, your colleague that um, I've, yeah. Yeah, I've often walked past here and, and, and seen the big sign as well when I've been on the train and just thought, wow, I wonder what Hotel Lindrum's like, but never. It's, it's really, it's quite unique in this area, I mean, the buildings, because it's obviously quite an old building, isn't it? I mean, you um, compare it to the rest of the buildings around it, it stands out quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, so you're saying it started its life as a merchant tea house, and then it was a pool hall before it yeah, became a hotel. Yeah, and it used to be, um, it used to be a, a newspaper, a very big newspaper was housed in here as well, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, mm, so I don't know, because I'm not, well, obviously not from Melbourne, so some of that history escaped me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Have you been to New Zealand? I haven't been to New Zealand yet, no. Yeah, I, I already a... want to go. Yeah. Are you from Wellington? Or... No, I'm from Christchurch. Christchurch, yeah. okay. So there's some good food in Christchurch now, um, but Wellington is sort of known as the yeah, the food, food hotspots. hotspot as yeah. well. Yeah, it's pretty good. There's great food. There's yeah. lots of really interesting, I think, um, and innovative ideas that are going on there in terms of um, community food gathering and... Uh, and also respecting Māori traditional food and so on yeah. as well. So I've been sort of really excited reading what's happening over there. Yeah, this is a chef, um, a female chef in New Zealand, who's really um, you know, diving into that, into the local um, Māori culture. Mm. What's her name again? She, um, I can't remember. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I've looked that up because that sounds, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, so and I was looking through when I was stalking you on Instagram. Um, <laughs> it looks like you've been to lots of different countries. Um, yeah. Traveling, but also you've worked in a few different places too, haven't you? I've worked in. Um, well, I'm originally from England, but I, I grew up in the Netherlands. Oh, okay. So I speak Dutch. Ah, okay. uh, so I've lived half my life in the Netherlands and the other half in England. Mm. Um, but then I went to work in Scandinavia for a bit as well, in Norway. Um, with a chef that I met in London. I lived in a really remote place in uh, Svalbard, it's called. It's an island uh, north of Norway. It's actually close to the North Pole. It's wow. really, it's, you won't believe it when you see it. And I spent a whole year there. And what was, was it, like a resort or something? or what? No, it was, actually it was, it was an old coal mining settlement, that town. And, they, and now it's a tourist hotspot. Okay. People go for you know jet skiing and it, it, it's like a extreme tourism. You know you go there to watch polar bears and you go there to um, you know um, um, yeah it's just 
quite extreme. Yeah, right. <laughs> so are there fjords up there? Or? There's fjords yeah. up there. Yeah, the people go there to watch the wildlife. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, all sorts of stuff. So are you cooking Norwegian food or European? Um, Scandinavian foods, yeah, yeah, like Nordic foods. So yeah. we use a lot of the uh, use a lot of ingredients from the local area. Um, a lot of preserving because it's it's always cold there. Yeah, nothing grows there. And what about the like? Is it do you have that daylight and darkness thing? Or is it you do? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I, mean, I mean, obviously we always have. Do you know what I mean? Though, like halfway through, halfway through the year, it's light all the time, and the other half is dark all the time. Is that what happens? Well, that, that's what's true. Yeah, yeah, in the winter, it's just completely dark all day. It's just it's very bizarre. It's very very surreal. What's yeah. that like on your mood? Like, how does that? Do you or do you just get used to it? And well, I think you get used to it. But in the beginning, it's quite it's quite difficult because you know being dark all day, it's. Um, it's a little bit depressing in a way, isn't it? But I, I was quite busy with work and, you know, on my days off, we would go out and do things, uh, explore the island. So mm. it keeps you busy. Mm. But I think for somebody who, uh, who's perhaps stuck at home all day, it's maybe a different story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah fascinating. So um, now, did you, were you in Sheffield? Is that where you're from? Is that the part of England you're from? or? Uh, I was born in Manchester. Okay. Um, but I lived in Sheffield a bit with my, with my mother. Yeah, yeah, that's where I did my training yeah. at uh, college. That's where I really started off. Yeah. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> did you did you always know you were going to be a chef? No, not at all. No, I was sixteen, Emma, and um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I finished my um, my secondary school. And my mother said to me you need to do something you need to you know go to college and then choose something and I uh, just you know just uh, construction uh, cooking or you know plumbing and I just chose cooking mm. that was it really yeah. and had food played a large part in your family like when you were growing up or anything or was it I think food was always yes yeah, some way big part of family get-togethers but it wasn't really um you know mum wasn't like a great cook or something mm. like she used to just use the microwave quite a bit to be honest yeah and she was a good baker she made really nice cakes and, and and stuff but um no i don't really have those uh shallow memories you know of of, of, um, of these really big uh uh dinners or you know together it was it was quite mm. average i suppose in a way yeah and so when you started um, and chose um, cooking above all those other kind of trades and things, um, what was it about it that kept you in it? Did you love it straight away? or I think it was, it was a focus. I finally had a focus on something, yeah. something like something of interest that I, that I found. Before I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't really have any interest. And mm. I suddenly just found this thing that I really liked doing. And then I just fully focused on it. Yeah, so, so you trained in Sheffield and then... Um, did you, when did, where did you go from there? I worked in Sheffield um, for three years doing my um, qualifications. And then I moved to Amsterdam because that's where my dad lives. Mm. And then I worked in a, in a one mission star restaurant in Amsterdam. Yeah, I saw that. That's... For um, Chris Naylor, who was a British chef. He was a really good chef. And I, I just, when I left Sheffield, I said to myself, I, I want to, I wanna, you know, go to a good standard. I want to, I want to keep pushing myself you know I'm young I need to learn so I decided okay I need to go there and I did a year there learned a lot he had he had a rooftop garden it was a it was wow. a NH hotel NH is um is a Spanish brand and there was he had a restaurant in that hotel and it was in the center of Amsterdam he had a rooftop on the on the top of the hotel 
um, where he was growing his own vegetables and herbs and he even had his own beehive on there as well. So, you know, every day we would go up and we'd pick everything and we'd go down to the kitchen and prep it, which was really, really cool. Um, and then after that, I went to another one mission star restaurant um, in the countryside. Okay. In the Netherlands. And what, um, what position were you in the kitchen in these places? Um, in the first place, I was, in a, I was an apprentice. Yeah. And then the second place where I moved to, um, I became like a CDP, chef de party. Yeah. And that, that, that second place was something I really, really enjoyed. It was a s- small countryside uh, restaurant, no, no rooms, the um, husband and wife team, husband in the kitchen, wife in the front of the house doing all the wine. Um, and it was a very family feel, you know, restaurant, you know, such a good team as opposed to a place in Amsterdam where it was more everybody for themselves, if that uh, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And this was very different. Yeah. I, I ended up working there for um, yeah, over one and a half years. Um, I was going to ask you about yeah. that because when, what, what time frame are we talking here? So like 2000... It's not that long ago. I'm, no, I'm still you're, you're still, I know that's what I mean. So I was trying to work out. So it's not that um, long ago. So did you, I was going to say, did you miss all that? Um, did you come after all the shouty chef? You, did you enter when people were being a bit yeah, nicer? Yeah, I think, I think I passed all that. Yeah. I mean, the first kitchen in Amsterdam was, um, yeah, was shouty, mm. but it, nothing like, you know, it used to be. No, yeah. No, but everyone's out for themselves. That's really interesting because you have, so fine dining, you have a lot of chefs in the kitchen, don't you? Yeah, this kitchen in Amsterdam was a lot of chefs, and I think the bigger the kitchen, the, the bigger the team, you know, the less team feel you have in a way, isn't it? Mm. Because there's just more people, there's more politics in a way. And so the family feel restaurant was that still doing fine dining, but just it was, yeah. yeah but, but it was just, a much smaller team. You know, it was yeah. six, seven chefs in the kitchen, smaller covers. You know, thirty covers in the night. Um, it was great. We used to do everything together. You know, the the chef had this um, Mercedes Benz sports car, and he would go in there with his chef jacket, and we would all jump in the back, and we would go go out and pick cherries together and stuff like that. And, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was just a cool, cool feeling. You know, yeah. it was fun. So Netherlands and then Norway, is that what you did or? No, I went to London. London, yeah. And what was that like? Was that, that would have been a shift again, would it? Um, yeah, that was, that was, um, yeah, that was a bit like Amsterdam, like big city, long hours, you know, big team. Mm. Worked there in a, in a Japanese um, restaurant. It's part of the Zuma group mm-hmm. for a year. Um, I worked for a Swedish chef. Um, and he, after a year, he offered me a job in Norway because he was moving to oh, Norway. Okay. So I've worked with this chef in many jobs. Wow. So, you know, I met him in London and then he took me over to Norway. So you've, would he be a mentor or a friend? I suppose he, no, he was. No, he was a mentor, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's pretty good, isn't it? I think that's, um, and it's, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I think that it's really important to have those connections to, especially something like cooking and being a chef and having those really strong ties because it can be a lonely job, as you say, in some of the, some of the positions. So if you find someone really good and they obviously, he obviously thought the world of you as well and took you around to different places, that's incredible. Yeah, it's that's really it. Well, and that's it. It's like what you say is when you find a connection and you're having a click with somebody, it's so nice to work with that person. Mm. Um, and yeah, and I, you end up working with him in many jobs. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's very important to keep those connections, of course. Yeah, yeah You never know when, these, when another job's going to pop up. Well, that's right. Um, and so then Norway, what? Um, London, then Norway. Yeah. And then, what brought you here? So I went to Norway, and then I, I went back to London again. Yeah. Uh, and then I went to this island in, in, in northern Norway for a year. Um, and then after a year on the island, I was just like, okay, I need to get back to the city again. Mm. I need to, uh, I need to you know, get back to some sort of normality. And I've always wanted to come to Australia. So I, um, I got a working holiday visa, booked a flight, and I just came over here. and got a job at Sofitel. Amazing. Yeah. And you are young, because what, are you 27? Yeah, 27. Yeah, and yeah. you're head chef. That seems like a fast trajectory to have gone through those great it restaurants. It is. And sometimes I think to myself, you know, is it too fast? Mm. Um, but it just depends what you want as a chef, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, from following you and seeing um, that even in isolation and cooking at home, you obviously, yeah. you obviously love cooking because you were creating amazing things at home yeah, and photographing them and I, I was like yeah so obviously you don't want to break from that do like, that wasn't wasn't what you wanted just to be relaxed and not cooking you obviously love cooking yeah I think it's really important for a chef to keep um, exploring and, and trying new things even yeah. in the downtime yeah um, you know saying like is, is it too early to be a head chef at 26 you know um, I think it depends on your character, isn't it? Mm. What kind of chef you are. If you're a chef that always wants to improve yourself and, you know, explore new things, even in your downtime and your days off, you know, going out to eat, yeah. whether it's um, reading cookbooks or magazines or, you know, watching some cooking shows. I think if you're that kind of person, I think it's okay to take a head chef job at 26 or 27 yeah I agree and uh, but I spoke to someone else who yeah. um, was very was propelled <clears throat> um, high very early on and and, and sometimes so, sorry, not... is, is this Michael from pretty little or no it wasn't no. it was um... that's okay no do you know who it was it was um, uh, Nic Nicola from the hardware club and he just said um, just sometimes it's not just about cooking it's about managing other people yeah. and managing food costs and all of those things and just the pressure of overseeing a team and overseeing a menu and overseeing everything that can get a bit much um, and I think, I think that's it isn't it like I think even when you're when you're being a sous chef that's a that has a lot of those responsibilities but suddenly when you're the head chef everyone's looking to you and you have to learn what your leadership style is as well. Yeah, it's true. So, Almost when you, the food comes second, you know, it's actually the managing that comes it's first, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So what is your leadership style, would you say? You're a, um, a shower or a teller? Yeah, good question. A... I'm definitely a shower, yeah. Look, I've got a small team here. It's me and, and uh, four of us. That's good. Um, but I like to lead by example. Mm. So, you know, I'll be, in, I'll, I'll be in the kitchen doing all, doing all the stuff and showing how it's done. Yeah, leading by example, really. Yeah. yeah. And do you make the menu, or is that because it's a yeah, we, we, yeah, we, we no, I make the menu yeah. and we change it every three months to it oh, seasonally. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I would love to have the freedom of changing it, you know, whenever I want. But being a hotel, you mm. know, you've got li menus in the lifts, you've got menus in the rooms, and yeah, um, your reception needs to know about it. So it's changing a menu is not that uh, simple. Yeah. Who are the diners? Are they just hotel guests, or do you get? Oh, we get a bit of both, but locals. it's it's um, it's it is hard to break out that image of of hotel restaurants. Mm. 
Um, we are trying very hard to get more diners from outside. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what sort of, is it Australian, modern Australian or how would you, what's the now, well, we Well, I like to call it modern British. Okay. Yeah, I take like British classics and put a modern twist on it. Yeah. What's an example of that? Rhubarb and custard, like a rhubarb and custard crumble. Yeah. Take that, those two ingredients and just do a whole new dessert out of it, you know. Um, yeah. Put a modern twist on it. I know you have a lot of desserts um, on your Instagram. Do you tend to more to pastry chef? I mean, is that something you've done in the past? I've, I've been, uh, yeah, I've been a pastry chef in the past in London. Yeah, it is something I really enjoy doing. Yeah. Do you think is it? <clears throat> oh, yeah. No, this is the wrong question. It's no, not. No. I'm, I was going to say, is it more creative? <clears throat> I guess you can make it more spectacular, but then savoury dishes in, in the right, the hands of a good chef are yeah, also very creative. Of yeah. course, yeah. No, I think a lot of chefs say that. They say, yeah, you can be more creative and pastry, but I don't think that's necessarily no. true. But you have no. to be very precise in pastry, don't you? Well, that's it. You have to measure everything, Yeah, you do. It? You can't <laughs> just be going, oh, a bit of this and a bit of no, that. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. it's more, maybe it's more technical in a way, yeah. Yeah. Is that what you like about it, or...? Yeah, yeah. I, I like that it's quite technical, yeah. 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 I, I may have, maybe because I've got a sweet tooth, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, how do you manage for yourself and then also as a head of the team, um, I mean, is it, does it get busy in here and is it pressured in the kitchen? Or is it, do you put pressure on yourself that every dish has to go out looking a certain way? And then how do you, how do you sort of manage that in the heat of service? Yeah, I like to think we work quite organised here. So um, for me, it's just important that we, that we get the reason plus sorted. We do as much as we can before service, and then during service, it's not it's not very stressful here to be honest, because everything's in place and every chef knows what they're doing. Mm. So, and you know, we're not such a big restaurant. We do thirty covers max. So, um, to be honest with you, it, it, no, I I don't really feel that stressed here. Actually, this is probably one of the you know best jobs I've had so far. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. And so, did <clears throat> Australia and Melbourne? meet your expectations how long have you been here uh, almost two years now okay yeah. so you did come and then we had yeah the bushfires which affected suppliers and things as yeah. well and now we've got this situation but apart from that <laughs> uh, Australia is a great country <coughs> to live in I mean it's mm. fantastic and especially Melbourne you know being all the amazing places uh, you can eat in, in, in you know Finley's Lane and um, just the city and even you know even places around the city is just Incredible, really. Mm. I mean, diff- the amount of different cultures, the amount of different food you can have, it's fantastic. And you know, you can drive one hour and you're in a beautiful spot in Victoria, and there's just so much you know to do and see. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really comfortable living here as well. I find yeah. you know compared to like when I was living in London, um, you know, when you talk about re- rental prices and stuff like that, it's just you can't compare it to here. Really. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah. And did you have to get used to different ingredients, or I mean, I suppose wherever you go, you've got to um, get to know suppliers and what's I had to available. get used to the different seasons. Yeah. Yeah, right. Because the seasons are just completely different here <laughs> in Europe. So that was a big thing. Yeah, it was well, what's in season now, and um, you know, yeah, that's really important when I make the menu is what's in season, and, and, and a lot, lot of products I haven't used before, especially fish. Mm. You know, I'm so used to using certain types of fish back in Europe, like halibuts, cods, you know, turbots. You don't have those fish here. So, you know, and, and the dishes that I make were based around those 
fishes and now I've got to find substitutes for that in, in Australia. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. And I, and I think too, there's not really four seasons here. I think that the um, indigenous people have it a lot more yeah, better sorted. Apparently so. I think there's yeah. several seasons and um, I guess it's about being in touch with, you know, when they walk on country and they're in touch with the land and they know when things are changing and what's available. I think sometimes we miss out on that, don't we, living in the city. But you would have a, more of an idea of that through suppliers, like because things must come up, come up, you know, within those seasons, like yeah. mushrooms and I don't know whatever else, you know, pops up along the way. Broad beans at a certain time and but a limited, you know, very small window. Yeah, see, I, I don't have that luxury of using <coughs> using that per se because um. I, I've got this. I have to have, being a hotel, I've got a three uh, month menu. Yes. And I have to make sure that when I make this menu, so that stuff yeah, so is available for the three months. Yes, yeah, so you can't use those sort of luxury. No, unless we do special dinners, which you sometimes do, or I can put a special on. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's more difficult. It's supposed to where like my cook pretty little, where they can just print, print the menu every day. Yeah. Which is like such a great thing to do as a I chef. Know, how good is it? Like, you have to have that freedom. Yeah. Yeah. So you've eaten it pretty little? Pretty little? I have, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I've worked there as well for a oh, day. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I used to work with Michael Sofitel. So, okay. Yeah. yeah, interesting. It's beautiful over there. They're such nice people. It's, they are, um, yeah. Yeah, it's really good. I love the communal table they have as well. It's great. Oh, it's incredible. That's yeah. the way. I mean, yeah, that whole dinner party vibe is just... Yeah. <laughs> it's a lovely way to eat, isn't it? Yeah. So what would you say to young people who want to get into the industry what would be your advice or your experience that you've had I would say get into it if you really really want it if you really enjoy cooking if it's something you really want to do then go for it but you know if you if you don't um, if you don't per se you're not sure or um, I would say try it out um, but you know think think um, long enough about it because it's not that easy I mean, yeah. there's easier jobs I think you can do um, for better pay if that's what you want yeah and when you say not easy are the hard bits the long hours or the I think it's yeah the, the, the long hours the you know the f- physically standing all day mm. um, and what, what 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 I've always found with this job is it's hard to find a stable job so you know you can work at a restaurant for two years and then the restaurant, let's say, goes out of business or you don't like it anymore, then you move to a new restaurant and you start from almost from scratch again. Yeah. Um, unless you work for a big, you know, hotel company, let's mm. say. Um, but it, it, I find it hard to find a, a stable job within this industry, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I guess, so. part of that is to someone like you that wants um, to be challenged and to, to grow, maybe you have to move to keep finding that well can do you think it's possible to find it within one place over an, a longer period of time than two years um it's possible but it's uh, a bit, probably a bit harder a bit harder isn't yeah. it yeah yeah and you're not in an open kitchen are you so you can't see when people are eating your food what how do you go do you need feedback do you need yeah we i think feedback's really important yeah, so, so I, I always ask the waitress when she comes into the kitchen you know how did they find the meal you know 
important. It's really important to get that feedback, and and sometimes I come out myself as well, and yeah. with a few regulars, I'll talk with them. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. Do you, have you been reviewed? Have you read reviews of your own cooking? No, we haven't. Yeah, and I, I want to get a re- reviewer in, and I've been telling the marketing we need to get some um, you know, reviewers in and some bloggers in because I've been here, you know, long enough now. Yeah. And we've we've put a lot of systems into place, and we've we've made the place, you know, um, better for the good. Um, so it's that time we get a reviewer in now. Yeah. Because I think that there's somebody reviewed the place and good food like. 12 years ago or something and that right. was the last review we had that's the problem though a lot of places like Concrete Playground and Broadsheet that they, are, they only do new places so yeah. and, and, you know and even though you've revamped it and you're a new chef here and so on yeah it's sort of tricky to get them to come back in but yeah exactly yeah right well, yeah. thank you oh, I, yeah I thanks just, for coming oh, no I loved it I've been yeah as Good. I say I did follow you for a while and then um, and I thought yeah you look like you're doing some fascinating things so it's lovely to yeah, we, we wanted to actually catch up before COVID, isn't it? But, um, yeah, we did. COVID came, yeah. Pretty much in the week that we were trying to organise yeah. it, it was March. like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So have you got anybody else lined up for later this week? Yeah, uh, well, maybe next week I'm going to speak week. to um, Elisa, who is um, South American, who was quite newly here. and um, But she did some amazing Instagram videos of cooking different yeah. foods at home. Um, Elisa Hill. Uh, but I spoke to... Um, uh, um, Rotem Pepo last week, which was great. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Golda. Cool. Um, yeah, so it's good. I love it. Cool. Yeah. How long have you been doing this for now? Mm, about three or four years. Yeah, right. How, yeah. how did it start? If I've got a friend in Christchurch who's a chef, yeah. and um, I used to always talk to her, and she'd been a head chef at Pearl in London and, in, and worked in Brisbane, and then she was yeah. back in Christchurch. And we used to just talk about food, and I used to think, God, like people should hear this. This is so good. Yeah. Um, and I always thought to myself, conversation with a chef, that'd be a really great book or a series or something. Are you thinking of releasing a book or something? I would love to release yeah. the book. I just don't know how you do that. I suppose I have to pitch it to a publisher. But, yeah. <laughs> but I would love to do a book, yes. Because yeah. I think, but then I think you'd have to have like the, because um, I usually have the portrait, like the photo of the chef, the conversation. You'd probably you have to have a recipe as well, as well. yeah. yeah. I think so. And I probably can't have, so far I've got over 200 chefs on the website. Um, I'd probably that'd, need be, to. that'd be a great thing to do. No, I'm sure loads of people would buy that book. I, I mean, it's I almost like so. the a directory of Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but like a really big one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a massive one. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I was really delighted when um, Rotem said that that's how he and his current um, business partner found each other was through conversation with the chef, and I was like, yeah, amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Played yeah. a small part. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, um, thanks, Joe. Better let you get on Coming with in. getting things ready. Me yeah. on class. Yeah, yeah. Coming <laughs> up tonight. Yeah. You've been listening to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Joe Ritty, and thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to read the full transcript of the conversation, you can go to www.conversationwithachef.com or follow me on Instagram so you'll always be up to date with the latest conversation.